Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the founder and head coach at Straight Shot Training, a personal training company that helps people of all fitness levels build strength and confidence both in and out of the gym with focused workouts and expert coaching. Today on the show, we've got holiday nutrition, keto versus macro tracking, multiple workouts a day, the pump after working out, and training for power. These are all questions that came in off of a poll that I put up on Instagram. So thank you to each person who replied to my story with these yesterday. Let's jump right in now with our first question from Brianna. Brianna asks, what is your game plan for holiday nutrition? Other than partake, do you have a game plan? Yeah, so at the parties themselves, which I know that's not what this question is about, but it will set up where I'm going with this. So at a holiday function itself, a family gathering, whatever it is, I always try to get some type of protein while I'm there. If there's some type of vegetable, I'll definitely eat my vegetables while I'm there, try to get some fiber. And outside of that, I just eat whatever looks good in moderation because I just, I don't like the feeling of being overly stuffed. I really don't like feeling full. So I don't have to worry too much about going overboard because naturally I just, I, I don't like doing that. But I'm not going to stress out about what it is there. I'll just eat whatever's there. Now, what a lot of people think you need to do if you're going to go to a party or a family gathering or something, you're going to eat you know, a lot more calories than you typically would at that meal, people try to create a deficit by eating way less earlier in the day. And what that ends up doing is it makes you hungrier when you get to the function and you you overeat because you haven't eaten well throughout the rest of the day. You end up eating more total calories by trying to create that deficit than you would have if you just eaten normally during the day. So this means getting a good mixture of protein and fiber with your meals, making sure you're eating plenty of fruits and vegetables, getting your healthy fats, your complex carbohydrates, all of those throughout the day that's going to keep you from being super, super hungry when you get to that function. So then you can do the thing that I do, which is just, you just eat a little bit of everything that you want to eat at this party. And you may go over even a couple hundred calories over on that day. And then you just get right back to it the next day. You don't try to then like get the calories back by under eating the entire next day to make up for one meal. It's really over the course of the week not going to make that big of a difference. Even over the course of several holiday get-togethers, over the course of a week, you may go up, you know, a couple of pounds, but most of that's going to be extra water, extra glycogen, which is sugar stored in your muscles and in your your liver. Uh, And even if it is a little bit of extra fat, you know, you can't possibly gain that much weight in a week. It's just not possible. So you just get right back on track after that. So that's my game plan, Brianna, is I just keep eating the same way. I prep all of my meals I eat the same thing for my breakfast, my snacks, my lunches, my pre and post workout. And then at dinner time, which is typically when these these parties or family gatherings are, I'll just eat whatever's there in moderation. And then I'll just go right back to eating the same way that I do and, and don't stress out about it. Um, now, I will say this, though, I do tend to increase my calories in between October and March. That's when I eat the most because I typically know that I'm going to be having access to more food and I'm going to be moving a little bit less because I'm not going to be outside as much. So I time that with my workouts, which I know is not applicable to everybody. But just for me personally, I always try to time the workouts that I'm going to do over the course of the winter and make those very difficult workouts 
They're designed to help me build muscle because I know I'm going to have all these extra calories on hand. Whereas over the summer, I back things off because I know just from moving around and being outside more in the summer, and I typically eat less in the summer anyway because I'm not as hungry. So I make my workouts a little bit uh, less intense or less total volume over the course of the week because I know that uh, that that time of year is harder for me to get as many calories. So I know that may not be applicable to everybody, but game plan over the holidays is I typically account for eating more calories than normal, but not insanely. And I typically eat my normal meals that I've prepped throughout the week and then just enjoy myself when I go to those get-togethers. Uh, next question is from Kevin. Kevin asks, keto as a tool to drop weight and then macro tracking to get cut? So I guess the question here is, should he use keto as a tool to drop a lot of weight and then track his calories and his macros, his carbs, fats, and his protein? Should he use that to then get cut? Or getting cut meaning dropping enough body fat while maintaining your muscle mass? Now, the problem here, well, is, is keto. <laughs> that's, that's the biggest problem here. Keto as a tool to drop weight. Yes, you will drop weight when you go keto. You could also drop weight going vegan. You could also drop weight uh, going paleo. You could drop weight just counting your calories. It's, keto is just creating a caloric deficit. There's nothing magical about it. I will say this, though. It, in terms of managing your blood sugar, if you are diabetic, keto can be a good tool for that. In terms of uh, if you're going through cancer treatments, I know several people who have gone through cancer treatments and they completely cut out all carbohydrates and uh, with a doctor's help did full keto and they actually had an easier time um, going through their cancer treatments and they're now in remission and they attribute a lot of that to the fact that they just weren't feeding their body with any carbohydrates because cancer cells do feed off of sugar. Uh, but all, every cell in your body also feeds off of sugar because every carbohydrate that you consume will eventually become sugar in your body. So it's not saying that if you eat sugar, you're going to get cancer. You can't. It's not the way the argument can work. It's saying that keto has been used as a tool in cancer patients, and it also has been used as a tool in patients with diabetes. But also being vegan has shown vegans have less instance of diabetes and cancer than people who eat meat. So it's not to say that meat causes diabetes or cancer, but it's just when you go vegan, a lot of times you are really cleaning up your diet. You're watching what you're eating. You're not eating a lot of processed food if you're doing it correctly, and you're not eating a lot of excess total calories. So you're less likely to have those issues that uh, arise from overeating that can lead to diabetes. And if you're vegan, you're also eating lots and lots of unprocessed fruits and vegetables, which also are linked to lower incidence of cancer. So all that to say, keto is a tool that you can use to drop weight, but I don't think it's the best if your eventual goal is to have more muscle mass. Because when you go keto, you are robbing your body from the main fuel source that it uses to fuel the performance that allows you to gain more muscle mass, which is weight training. When you lift weights, your body uses carbohydrates as a fuel source to help you lift those weights. When you have more carbohydrates stored in your muscles, they perform better, which means you can lift more weight more times, and that's how you keep your muscle mass while you are losing body fat. 
So if you're using keto as a tool to drop weight, yeah, you're going to drop a lot of weight. And you're going to drop it quick because you're taking that muscle glycogen out of your muscles. You're also going to be really tired. You're not going to be able to lift as much weight. And because of that, you're going to end up losing muscle mass because you've dropped your calories and you've now dropped your performance on your, your lifts. And your body needs a reason to keep your muscle mass. So if you are not able to lift the same weights for the same amount of repetitions and you've reduced your calories, your body is always going to seek to find a way to get rid of things it doesn't need. So if it's saying, okay, he used to squat 225 pounds for five reps, uh, but now he's only squatting 185 for those five reps. So we probably don't need to keep all this muscle mass around because we don't, we don't need it. It's expensive to hang on to it. We don't have enough calories coming in because we're in a caloric deficit and we don't need to have these muscles full of glycogen because there's no glucose floating around that needs to be stored somewhere. So let's just go ahead and get rid of it, which is why a lot of people lose strength and lose muscle mass when they go on keto. And I know this is, there are people who can get ripped on keto and that's fine, but that is a small minority. Look at the strongest people. Look at the leanest, strongest people. Look at the biggest, leanest, strongest people. They're eating a lot of carbohydrates. So keto is a tool to drop weight. If that's the only way that you can find that's going to help you create a caloric deficit and it works for you, then go for it. But I'm just telling you, it's, it's going to create a drop in performance that is going to have you not have the end result that you're looking for. The other thing is using keto as a tool to drop weight and then switching to macro tracking to get cut. So if you're trying to lose, lose just a bunch of weight, if your end goal is to lean out, I would say start macro tracking from the beginning. So you're tracking your carbs, your fat, your protein, and your total calories. And just do that. And just stick with that. And be consistent with it while still weight training and doing you know a moderate amount of, of aerobic activity and just trying to move more throughout the day. And it's going to take you longer to drop that weight, but you're going to end up having the look and, and the level of health that you want to have at the end because you did it slower and you're keeping that muscle mass that you want to keep while losing the body fat that you don't want to have. If you start out with keto and you drop all of that weight and then you switch to then putting carbs back in because you're macro tracking, you're actually going to see a jump in your weight because you're reintroducing carbohydrates and you're switching fuel sources for your body and you're now having to store this glycogen in your muscles. Now, when you switch, your weight's going to go up, but you're going to be a lot better in the gym, but it's going to be discouraging because you might gain five, 10 pounds when you switch from keto back to something else. And that can totally derail your mental progress with this. So I, I'm not a big fan of switching all over the place. Find a way that works for you when it comes to your eating and just stick with it. And I would say, I would start with macro tracking. Also figure out, you know, the, the amount of carbs, fats, and protein that work for you. You don't have to go keto, but you might do better with eating more fat and a little bit less carbs and keeping your protein moderate than someone like me who prefers to eat less fat and a lot of carbs and a moderate amount of protein. Coach John and I were talking the other day and we're eating about the same amount of calories right now. Funny enough though, he's dropping weight and I'm gaining weight. So we're both eating around 3,200 calories a day. I weigh uh, 168 pounds. Uh, John weighs closer to 230 and he eats uh, I think 35, 40 grams of fat more than I do. And I eat a hundred grams more carbohydrates than he does. And it works for us. So I, obviously he's not keto and I'm definitely not eating low fat, but I'm eating lower fat compared to how many carbs I'm eating. And he's eating higher fat 
and less carbs uh, in relationship to how much he's eating. So I, w- I would start, Kevin, with macro tracking and just stick with it and then dial things up or down depending on, on your results with it. Uh, this is actually the, uh, the next question also comes from Kevin. So Kevin, thanks so much for submitting both of these. Uh, the next question is thoughts on multiple workouts a day. For example, a half Murph in the morning, which will explain what that is in a second, a half Murph in the morning and then weight training midday. Uh, so for starters, Kevin, if you were doing keto, uh, definitely no multiple workouts a day. It's just you're not going to have the fuel for it. Um, also, I'm not a big fan of, of two-a-day workouts for anyone other than an athlete. Who's, and if that athlete is competing at a very high level, you do not need to be working out two times a day. Uh, especially a half Murph. So a full Murph is running a mile, then doing 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats, and then running another mile. Typically, you're supposed to be wearing a 20-pound weight vest when you do this. It's an old CrossFit workout. A half Murph would be a half-mile run, 50 push-ups, sorry, 50 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, and uh, 150 squats, and then uh, running another half-mile. So you would do that in the morning and then go weight train midday. Tell you now, your weight training session is not going to be very good. You might get better with just doing more total work over the course of the week. Your body will get used to it. There's actually a guy who has been doing Murph every day for the past year, and it looks awful. Uh, It's just this thing that he decided that he wanted to do for whatever reason, and he's documenting his journey with it online. Uh, and it's, it's been strange to see someone's body adapt to doing that much work. Uh, but that's that's totally a a specific goal that person has. It has nothing to do with their overall health. I promise you they are really beating up their body doing this. Uh, but it's just a goal they have. So if your goal is to be able to accomplish more work, more total work, which the only person I've ever seen that really need to do multiple workouts a day was a guy who I knew at a gym a long time ago who was um, training for the Navy SEALs. And he knew that he was going to have to be able to do an insane amount of, of physical work all day long for days and days on end when he went into the BUDS training. So he was getting his body ready for that. Most people aren't Navy SEALs getting ready for BUDS training. So if your goal is to be to be leaner, to be stronger, to have more muscle mass, to have a, a certain aesthetic look, to have a, maybe you have some strength goals, maybe you just want to be healthier, you just want to move more. All of those goals can be accomplished by working out for one hour a day, three to five times a week. Now, if you enjoy working out, you really love working out, you still need to take at least one rest day a week. And you need to moderate your volume on those other days to make sure if you're going to be working out six days a week, you've really got to be intentional about what you're doing each day and not just go off and do everything all day, every day. That's the the style of thinking that a lot of CrossFitters have gotten into. And that's why most people don't do it for very long. The, the attrition rate at a lot of CrossFit gyms is insane because people just try to do too much. It's a fine program to go in and do if you just do what your coach tells you to and, and don't overdo it. But so many people overdo it. And I think multiple workouts a day are really just serving the purpose of working out. And you have to ask yourself, are you working out because you want a certain result? Or are you working out just because you want to work out? Or even worse, are you working out because you are, are punishing yourself for eating too many calories or because you think that you have to do this much work? 
which is a whole other topic we can get into. That's more of this, the psychology behind exercise. But um, multiple workouts a day are, are not necessary. Now, if you're a bodybuilder, sometimes they'll do like, you know, back in the morning and then in the evening, just do the, like the back of their shoulders. Um, and they'll split things up like that just because they want to give their body more time to recover. But the rest of the day, they are pounding food. I mean, an insane amount of food, especially carbohydrates, in order to recover from it. So multiple workouts a day, not is as effective as people think they're going to be. And you're going to have to eat a lot to be able to keep up with that, or you're just going to burn yourself out. And you're only as good as a work. The workout that you do is only as good as the workout that you can recover from. So if you are doing all of this work and you're not recovering enough, it's really like you're not even doing anything. You're just spinning your wheels. Uh, so now I will say this. Don't think of it as a workout, but if you're going to do weight training in the afternoon and you want to go for a long walk in the morning or a long walk in the evening because that's the only way that you can get some low-level, not a, not a run or anything, low-level aerobic exercise, which is important for your heart health, that I, I think would be fine. So I'm talking like 20, 30-minute walk at some point in the day, and then later on in the day, you do your weight training. And that's just, that's not really exercise. That's just physical activity, which people should be getting more of. So I would focus more on just moving more throughout the day. When you do workout, hitting your workout hard, and then eating enough to let your body recover. Next question is from Kurt. Well, next question is kind of from Kurt, because uh, Kurt decided to be inappropriate with his question, but I'm not going to let it derail the show. Kurt. So I'm going to make your question into a legitimate question. So Kurt asked, how important is having a pump after working out? Now a pump is whenever you have a lot of blood in a muscle because you've done a bunch of reps where the blood is moving in and out of the muscle. And actually because of the muscles, the muscle fibers constricting against the blood vessels, the blood gets trapped in that muscle. And you look enormous. And that's why people love taking gym selfies and flexing in front of the mirrors. And you will never look as good as you do with a gym pump in the gym in front of a mirror with the gym lighting. That's, that's just like a, a known thing. Uh, but the, the pump, it, it feels, some people love the way it feels. Uh, you feel strong. You feel gigantic. Uh, you look awesome. Definitely, if you have a pump after your workouts, it's a straight shot. Definitely take a selfie and, and put it up. But it is not the most important thing. Even for gaining muscle, a lot of people think that you have to have an insane pump in order to get your muscles to grow. And it's, it's not true. Now, there are some methods like blood flow restriction training where you put these bands above a muscle to further trap more blood in the area. You create something called more metabolic disturbance. Uh, where the muscle is basically has so much blood in the area and there's so little oxygen coming in that the muscles uh, are in such a state of distress that the only way that they can overcome it by, is by, you know what, we have to get stronger and we have to be able to do more repetitions even with less oxygen and blood supply. And then when you recover, uh, they grow back stronger and thicker muscle fibers. So blood flow restriction training is a, a method that you can use you have to use very light weights with it. And the proven method for the longest period of time, still time and time again, coming back to it, the proven method for gaining muscle mass is progressive resistance. That means you have to be lifting more over a course of time and eating in a caloric surplus to gain muscle. 
So the pump after working out, you can have a pump while you're on a diet. You can have a pump after a workout that you're not going to recover from. You can have a pump by lifting progressively lighter weights. You could be getting weaker week after week, still getting a pump, and you're not going to be getting stronger and you're not going to be getting muscle. It's, it's temporary. Having a pump after you're working out can feel awesome. It, it, you know, if you want to do it at the end of your workouts, uh, do like 50 reps of band curls or band press downs or something because you, you like a good pump and you just want to kind of finish the muscles off, have fun. Go for it. But if you are trying to gain muscle, you are better off with smooth, controlled repetitions, somewhere between like 6 and 12 repetitions. Uh, you should always push yourself, maybe leave one or two reps in the tank for the first couple of sets and then just maybe go to failure in your last set if it's safe and if you have a spotter. And then uh, keep your total weekly volume, how much you're totally doing over over a week, keep that within a, a level that you're able to recover from, but still push it a little bit. And then each week, add more weight to the bar. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it is that simple to gain muscle mass. Eat in a caloric surplus and use progressive resistance. Having a pump is not the most important thing in gaining muscle. Uh, you, you, you do look awesome at the end of it. So... Uh, and all of us coaches will be the first to tell you. If we, we like to make people uncomfortable with how many compliments we give them. So, last question here is from Zach. Uh, by the way, shout out to Zach. Zach, uh, for those of you who know, Zach Tignall showed up the morning of our opening of the studio with all of the equipment in there. We had that soft opening where we did the bodyweight workouts on October 2nd. It was a Saturday. But the first day that we actually opened our studio with all the equipment, uh, I pulled up and Zach was standing uh, in the back door holding a box of donuts uh, to welcome me in to, to my first day of work inside the studio. So shout out to Zach who has been day one since day one uh, and who gave us this awesome question here. So Zach asks, how do you train for more power, specifically the shoulder region for better and a more stable tennis swing? All right, so training for power is a little bit different than training for strength. Power is rate of force production. So it's not how much weight you can move, it's how fast can you move how much weight. So if you move 100 pounds, let's say on a, a shoulder press, because we're sick with the shoulder, you are pressing it from your chest to overhead. So you're covering maybe two total feet and you're moving it, uh, you're moving 100 pounds and you're moving that 100 pounds two feet in three seconds because it's a slow press. If you move that 100 pounds, those two feet, in one second, you've increased your power. So in order to train for more power, you can increase the speed you're moving something, or you can move at the same speed, but increase the weight that you're using. So you're either increasing the speed, you're increasing the rate, uh, sorry, you're increasing the rate that you're moving it, you're increasing the weight that you're using, or you're increasing the distance that you're moving. Okay, so all of those things because you're affecting a different part of the equation. When it comes to tennis, it's you're not ever going to be needing to swing a heavier racket. It's not like Olympic lifting where you're trying to move a progressively heavier weight because that's part of the sport. In tennis, the weight is fixed. You need to be moving faster. So in order to be fast, you have to train fast. The problem with a lot of people when they are, are lifting is they're not focused on the speed at which they're lifting. And the speed at which you're lifting has a lot to do with the adaptation that your muscle is going to have. If you train slow, you're going to be slow. If you train fast, you're going to be fast. But it needs to be controlled because the other part of Zach's question here is, how do you have a more stable tennis swing? 
because there is this play here between speed and stability. Because in order to be moving faster, you're not going to be able to stop your arm mid-swing. You're not supposed to. But you do have to have some scapular control to make sure that your shoulder is in a healthy position when you are swinging and so that you can have swing after swing and serve after serve and you know forehand, backhand swings and be able to control your shoulder biomechanics um, so that you're not going to end up with overuse injuries from working in bad positions or even just overuse injuries from working in good positions too often. So training for more power, I would say when you're doing your exercises, focus on being more explosive on the out portion, so the moving the weight, and then control it on the down portion for some exercises. But on a tennis swing, you do have to forcefully pull your arm back before returning it. So it's called the loading phase or the eccentric loading of the muscle. You have the amortization phase or the turnaround point. And then you have the concentric portion or the explosive portion of that movement. So you need to try to find ways to mimic that in the gym. You need to be able to forcefully load a muscle, stabilize, and forcefully produce motion out of it. So think uh, throwing a ball up in the air, a weighted medicine ball. You're going to hold it at your chest. You're going to throw it as high as you can. And then when you catch it, you're going to quickly catch it and stop it on your chest. That'd be one way of doing it. You could also rebound it. So I'm just throwing and catching, throwing and catching straight up and down. So I'm working on the turnaround portion as well as the stability portion plus the power portion. So throwing and catching drills with medicine balls are great for training for more power, but also just being stronger overall. You, know, you still need to have a good, strong shoulder press. You need to have a good, strong bench press. You need to be able to do you know pull downs or weighted pull-ups. You need to be able to row. I, expect, I would do a lot of upper back work, Zach. If you're trying to create a more stable shoulder, more meat equals more stability. I think I need to, I think I need to coin that phrase now. The more more muscle mass you have in the, your back, the more so the more stable your shoulder typically is going to be, provided that you're moving in good positions. Uh, so you want, also want to work though on just stability exercises. So weighted overhead carries, uh, rotator cuff exercises. Um, different uh, serratus anterior drills, uh, which we, we do a lot of at Straight Shot because that's a muscle that's neglected a lot in pressing activities. So those drills will help you create a stable shoulder and then doing those explosive drills will help you train for more power. Lastly, that's just the shoulder, but what is a tennis swing? It's a full body movement. You need to have rotational capacity in your trunk. You need to have rotational capacity in your hips. You need to be able to uh, produce force from the ground with good, healthy, stable ankles that can also produce force. You need to be able to decelerate yourself having strong quads and hamstrings at the knee. I mean, tennis is a full body sport. So if you want more power in your shoulder, I would work on obviously, you know, explosive exercises using your shoulders and stability exercises with your shoulders, but also work on your trunk stability, work on your trunk rotation, do explosive rotation exercises, and get that coordination down between your trunk and your hips. And then of course, continue to squat, lunge, do step ups, especially laterally, lateral lunges, lateral step ups, uh, anything you can do that's going to mimic that side to side motion that you have when you're playing tennis. Uh, so that you can absorb and produce force and everything from the ground up, train for stability and power. So absorb force and produce force. When you start focusing on that, it's all going to start coming together and you're going to have a much more powerful and more stable tennis swing. So 
Uh, thank you all so much for listening today. These were awesome questions. I had fun with it. I, I'm in the shed right now, which is uh, fun because this is where I was this time last year uh, recording podcasts, and I had no clue what 2021 was uh, going to have in store for Straight Shot. And I'm, I'm so thankful for every one of you for being a part of it. Uh, we uh, have done things in the past year with this business, uh, with my co-owner, Chris, and with Coach John, Coach Megan, Coach Delaney, and Coach Bailey, and the things that we've been able to accomplish in the past year, thanks to that team of coaches and all of you listening, has been incredible. So thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate all of your support. Now, here normally is the part where I ask you to leave a review on the show, but I would rather you take those two minutes that you have to spare and do something that could actually help you out. So I want you to head over to straightshottraining.com and click on the pop-up for the 28-day free coaching challenge, or you can click on the challenge link at the top of the homepage. On that page are all of the details that you need to learn how you can get four weeks of coaching for us in our Frederick studio for free when you complete the challenge. Look, gyms are packed in January, and it can be a really intimidating and tough time to start a fitness program. It can even be tough to keep up with your current program in January. So if you're looking for a different experience than a typical gym experience, and you want to train in a private gym with expert coaches in a supportive and uplifting community, I want you to check out the 28-day free coaching challenge over at straightshottraining.com. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for everything. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and have a great week, everybody.